This is a podcast by The Straits Times and Money FM 89.3. It's time to get the latest on what's happening inside Hong Kong with Claire Huang, the Hong Kong correspondent for The Straits Times. Well, as you know, Hong Kong held a chaotic first election under a Beijing-decreed political overhaul, which also saw vastly reduced voter turnout in delays of up to 14 hours, which, of course, left candidates waiting overnight for results. Plus, the national security law is back in the headlines after more arrests and a widening of its scope. We've got Claire Huang on the line now. Claire, how are you? Hi, Rachel and Tim. I'm good. Good, good to have you back with us, Claire. So tell us, Hong Kong's election committee elections took place over the weekend. Where did it go wrong in the counting process? And how has Chief Executive Carrie Lam pledged to fix the problem before the Legislative Council poll in December? Well, this is the first election after the electoral system overhaul. It's a major one, given that elected members become part of the powerful 1,500-strong election committee. Now, this committee picks not only the city's leader, but also almost half of the parliament lawmakers. So there's importance Mm -hmm. attached to it. Um, And the form is therefore important. Uh, By this, I mean that, you know, uh, the process, right? And they were expecting a smooth process because there were only, what, 4,400-odd ballots or so. Um, But Electoral Affairs Commission Chairman Barnabas Fangwa had to apologize because it took nearly 14 hours to count the 4,400 ballots. He said initial findings showed that there were human errors, judgment errors with frontline staff, jamming of the machine while was counting the ballots, and um, problems with the ballot verification papers. So Mrs. Lam said that the commission will have to give her answers and prove on the problems, which may have been a technical or possibly manpower or training issue. Claire, there's an advisor to the central government who said that the election may have ensured only patriots hold office, but that didn't mean that lazy pro-establishment winners did enough to engage with the public on the key issues, right? What's been the reaction to this? Well, Tim, um, you know, being told you're lazy stings, right? (laughs) But this is a problem that's not new. And let me explain, which is why in the days leading up to the Sunday election, right, people who aren't grassroots, we're we're talking about, you know, um, people in the executive council who are, you know, lawmakers um, who aren't very grassroots people were spotted on the streets you know, in the lead up to to the election. Now, the advisor you're talking about is Beihang University's associate professor, Tian Fei Long. He made the point that there have been pro-establishment winners who didn't even bother to include their platforms in their nomination paperwork. And this lack of enthusiasm undermined the legitimacy of the revamped electoral system, besides the fact that this was a race that wasn't quite competitive. Why is this race uncompetitive? Let me give you the figures. 412 candidates contested. 364 made it. Of this 364, only two were opposition-leaning. Of the two, only one made it. Now, in the past, if you look at 2016, by comparison, there was almost a quarter of a million, um, basically, people involved. 
So in voting, that is, um, since the um, national security law was enacted, the opposition camp has somewhat been wiped out. I mean, those who fled, fled. Those who are facing national security probes and charges are either in jail or on bail. The remaining ones are of the opinion that this new electoral system is just a show. They do not want to be part of it, you know, despite being urged by um, some other quarters to participate. Now, if you ask um, political watchers here, some will say that because of the events that have unfolded, it will take time for patriotic uh, opposition members to start running in elections again. Others point to how the expanded uh, election committee is more representative of social sectors, of women's groups, youths, and things like that. So, of course, the criticism is that having slightly differing views within the pro-Beijing camp is not true democracy um, or opposition that can properly check the government. This podcast is available on our audio app. That's A-W-E-D-I-O. Like us and rate us. And now, back to our podcast episode. We're speaking with Claire Huang, Hong Kong correspondent for The Straits Times. Claire, earlier in the news, we read about Hong Kong's property squeeze sinking to a new low with apartments so small that they're the size of two king-size beds. My goodness. And Chief Executive Kerry Lam said that the government will be more efficient when it comes to solving the housing crunch with an improved electoral system where only patriots of rule. But what are some of the ways in which this can be tackled? Well, Rachel, um, by efficient, she means that things and changes can be passed more easily in Parliament and smoothly. Because if you remember in the past when they had a strong opposition camp, right, you've got filibustering and a lot of things were not passed because mm. they had um, the majority in that sense, the two-fit majority. So as it is, there have been policy changes instituted by the current government and the, um, Mrs. Lam. Uh, things like reshuffling the housing ladder, that's like Singapore's upgrading process from getting HDB flat to bigger flat or a private unit, that kind of thing, that's the ladder, right? Uh, introduction of um, starter homes, beefing up of the uh, home ownership so these are all public flats that we're talking about. Now, Mrs. Lam noted that some of the land supply are held by developers, but she did say that if it's needed, then the government can take back private land under the law um, so as to tackle the housing and land shortage. There's also this scheme called the Land Sharing Scheme that was rolled out in May last year. It initially received lukewarm response, but... Under the scheme, developers will be able to build on a higher percentage of open land so they can apply for that. But they must use at least 70% of the extra floor area for public housing. All right, uh, Claire, let's turn our attention to the national security law. Authorities recently began using the phrase contrary to the interests of national security. Those are the exact words, uh, I believe. Uh, why, what does this broaden language uh, to describe national security violation mean for Hong Kong? Look, Tim, uh, it means a lot of things. In law, right, legal eagles will tell you that the wordings are kept vague. Why do they keep it vague so that there's room to move as and when the need arises? It's also why prosecution prosecution's charges are sometimes vague and criminal lawyers get so riled up about that. So for now... So, celebrating Taiwan independence on October 10, which is their national day, amounts to cessation. Uh, it is against the national security law, so people here can be considered, um, you know, they have been warned. Uh, Secretary for Security Chris Tan told local media that Taiwan is undoubtedly a part of China and support for Taiwan independence on its national day can be seen as breaching the uh, security law. 
So uh, celebrations on um, October 10th, which is called the Double Ten Day in Hong Kong, were common in the past because many of the Kuomintang soldiers had fled to the territory and stayed at the old Rennie's, uh, Rennie's Mill, which is now in Kang uh, Ling. Claire, Mr. Tang also touched on the wave of disbandments of groups seen as pro-democracy. What exactly did he say? Well, he said the police will press on with national security investigations, even if these pro-democracy organizations disband. And uh, the people involved would still be arrested or prosecuted as long as there's evidence, because evidence, you know, is still there. So in recent months, we have had the Hong Kong Professional Teachers Union, Civil Human Rights Front. Now, Civil Human Rights Front was the organizer behind some of the biggest, the city's biggest demonstrations, particularly in um, 2019 during the anti-government protests. And then, you know, you've got the Confederation of Trade Unions. All these uh, associations and organizations have said that they would disband. That aside, Mr. Tang also said that the government will pass basic law, um, Article 23, within the next um, parliament term. And, uh, you know, uh, they're referring to foreign security laws to draft the bill. Now, Article 23 states that Hong Kong has to enact its own security law, but this never happened when it was proposed in 2003 because of its unpopularity. All right, Claire, thank you very very much for bringing us up to date with everything that's happening there in Hong Kong. Claire Huang, Hong Kong correspondent for The Straits Times. The Asian Insider Podcast channel is also available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and our audio app. That's A-W-E-D-I-O. Like us and rate us.